ready to get in the Word? Okay, we'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. Let's look at verse 7. All prayer has got to be based on the will of God. Every prayer that we pray has got to be in alignment with the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit's leading. Jesus said in John 15 verse 7, He said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, that word abide there simply means to dwell or to live. So Jesus lives in your heart if you've received him as your Savior. And then the way that we abide in him is by drawing near to him and answering the call that's on every believer's life. And that is the call to fellowship or to koinonia as the Greek says it. That's communion. That's intimacy. That's really friendship with the Lord, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And we taught a series on that in the beginning of the year. But notice he says, if you abide in me. So this is conditional, right? If is a conditional word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's in your spirit, in your heart. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. One person said many years ago, I believe his name was John Wesley. He said, he says, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life. That, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. So we have the privilege, we have the right to go before the throne of grace, to obtain mercy, to find grace, to get the help we need in our time of need. And in life we are going to run up to some needs, are we not? Well, I'm glad he said that he would liberally supply and fill to the full our every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So every prayer that we pray must be in alignment with the word and with the Holy Spirit's leading. You know, I can think of the scripture, you don't need to turn there, but in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will... Or according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So it gives us a confidence, a boldness, and an assurance when we're praying in line with the will of God. Well, somebody asks, well, how do I know what the will of God is? Well, the will of God and the word of God are the same. So if you can see it in the word, amen... That's the will of God for your life. Find scriptures that cover your case and apply them to your life and learn how to pray the word. And the word of God says that you will have assurance and you will have a fearless confidence. That's awesome. So now let's go over to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want us to look at uh, one word tonight. I want us to talk about supplication for a little bit tonight. And in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 18, the Apostle Paul, you know, is summing up this great book to the church of Ephesus. And he's talking about, you know, the wealth, the warfare, and the walk of the believer. And over in uh, Ephesians 6, 10, he concludes his letter and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Then he goes on to list the different parts of the armor of God that you and I are to wear. And he ends up this uh, exhortation, part of this letter, in verse 18. I want you to read with me in Ephesians 6, verse 18. Ready? Let's go ahead and read. Go ahead. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So he says, praying always with all prayer. The Amplified Version says it this way, pray with all manner of prayer. Another translation reads it this way, praying with all kinds of prayer. So there are different kinds of prayer. Goodspeed's translation says it this way, Use every kind of prayer and entreaty, and at every opportunity, pray in the Spirit. So we see here from this verse, all kinds of prayer, all manner of prayer. We see that the Bible teaches several kinds of prayer, and the different rules that govern the different types of prayer. Now, you've heard perhaps people say, well, isn't prayer prayer? Prayer is prayer. Yes, prayer is prayer, but you don't walk around and say, well, sports is sports. You know, I played basketball growing up, and basketball was in the winter back there in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, when we go and have the jump ball at midcourt, the guy didn't bring a hockey puck out. A hockey puck won't work in basketball. You don't play basketball with hockey pucks or with hockey rules. There's different laws that govern the different kind of sports, right? Uh, you don't play. You didn't see the Giants playing this afternoon, and uh, the pitcher for the Giants uh, throwing a basketball at the batter. No, that doesn't work, does it? So sports have different rules. Sports have different laws governing them. So does prayer. Okay, and uh, sometimes we have a tendency to put all prayer in the same sack and just shake it up and try to mix it all together. But there's different types of prayer. And there's different laws that govern the different types of prayer. Now, and we don't want to go really deep into that today. We don't want to really look at all the different kinds of prayer. We probably will during this emphasis. But I want to talk to you a little bit about supplication. Everyone say supplication. supplication. Now, let's define what supplication is. Supplication. The nature of supplication is more heartfelt than some sort of a casual request. The word supplication means a humble, earnest entreaty or a request. So it's not a casual prayer. It's not one of these prayers where we pray, Lord, bless so-and-so, bless John, bless Mary, bless us four and no more. A prayer like that has no power at all. That's just kind of like going through the motions of, of repetition. And sometimes, you know, people are just quick to pray just to get done with their devotions. There's no spirit in that. There's no anointing in that. There is nothing in those type of prayers that will move mountains. And you know as well as I do, there are some mountains that need to be removed out of our lives and out of other people's lives. 
But God has given us the Holy Spirit on the inside. He's given us the Word of God to live in and to abide. And by the Word and by the Spirit, we can pray effectually, we can pray powerfully, we can pray earnestly, and we can pray glory to God, heaven to earth. Amen. So this kind of prayer, it's a, it's a heartfelt prayer. Supplication also carries with it the thought of a, it's an urgent petition. It means to, to make an earnest request. An earnest request. Uh, the word earnest means intent and direct in purpose. In other words, when you're praying, you're play, praying with laser beam accuracy. You're play, praying with Holy Ghost nuclear power. You're praying with a purpose. Someone said years ago, powerful, purposeful prayer paves the way for the impossible to become possible. And God has placed on the inside of every man and every woman the desire and the heart to pray. Amen. Now the word earnest again means intent and direct in purpose. It also means to be serious of an important nature with serious intentions and strong determination. Strong determination. Now I want to show you an example of this from Acts chapter 12. So let's look over there. Acts the 12th chapter. I'm telling you, somebody better be praying for this nation. The answers are not in Washington, D.C. As much as we love and as we respect the office of the president and love and respect the office of senators and so on and so forth, the answers are not in them. The answers in Christ. The answers in God. And I believe that God has placed the weight of this nation upon the shoulders, praise God, of His praying people. And if all Christians do is sit around, complain, and moan, and groan about how bad things are, things aren't going to get any better. But if Christians will earnestly and determinedly, with a strong intent, by the power of the Holy Spirit, get on bended knee before God, God can take this nation and turn it around. The answer for our nation is Jesus Christ. The answer for this country is Jesus Christ. I found my answer in 1974 in a treatment center when I went in with a $150 a day heroin habit. I didn't find my answer in some sort of higher power that was a tree stump. I did not find my higher power in Islam or in Maharishi Mishmash. I did not find my higher power in transcendental meditation. I found my higher power in Jesus Christ, the Most High God. I know He's the answer. I know He is the only way for this nation to have revival. I know that He is the only way for some of you to be healed in your body. I know that He is the only way for your life to turn around and for you to have employment and for Him to bring increase into your life. 
And so there must be an intention. There must be a... I'm telling you, we need to get... I, I don't like using this term so much, but you know the Bible says that the violent take it by force. Now, we're not violent in the natural realm, but in the spirit realm, we, when, we, when we're clothed with power from on high, and we've got the armor of God on us, we are armed and dangerous where the devil is concerned. And when he sees us walking down the street, clothed in glory, clothed in power, he doesn't know whether it's you or God inside that armor, and he ain't going to stick around to find out. Amen. 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 Well, I, I've already preached myself happy. We can go home now. Glory to God. Where was it? Acts chapter 12. Let's look over there. Acts 12. I can hear the song in my spirit. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. If I was Pastor Tom, I could sing it, but I'm not. I'm Pastor Mark. I got to recite it. <laughs> Amen. Acts the twelfth chapter. Let's look at this now. Verse one. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Herod had a wrong spirit. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews. How many of you know religious people were upset about Jesus coming out of that grave? You know the devil was upset. The Bible says had they known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Anyway. Verse 3. And because he saw it pleased the Jews... He proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, which was one of the feasts of Israel. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but... Prayer, supplication was made. And what kind of supplication was it? It was a fervency. It was an urgent request. And the Greek word for ceasing there carries with it the thought that they didn't stop. They didn't just come and, and pray for a few minutes just to salve their conscience. But these folks were up in the face of God, up in the throne of God, pleading before God on behalf of their brother Peter. I just wonder if we wouldn't get more results if we were a church that prayed for people in prison. And I'm not just talking about natural prison. I'm talking about the prison of drug addiction, the prison of cancer, and all those things that the enemy brings into people's lives. Amen. But Peter was therefore kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Glory to God. They knew from whence came their help. They were not operating 
out of their minds. They were down in their spirits, praying with bold supplication. Well, let's see what happened. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. I tell you what, we pray angels move. That's heaven moving on our behalf. Angels are ministering spirits, and they're sent forth to minister for you and I, who are heirs of salvation. So somehow, some way, this prayer of supplication, this urgency of prayer, this determined prayer, caught God's attention, and God moved an angel toward him. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shone in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, and he raised him up, saying, Arise now, up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. That's supernatural. And the angel said unto Peter, Gird yourself, bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He's probably sleepy. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them of his own accord, and he went out. And he passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord sent his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod from all of the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together. And what were they doing? Let me ask you something tonight. How were they praying? How were they praying? How are we going to pray as a church? You got it. They were together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she saw Peter, and when she knew Peter's voice, she didn't open the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. <laughs> but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, It's his angel. But Peter, he's still knocking on the door. Still knocking on the door. And when they had opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. Now that is a powerful answer to the prayer of supplication. I believe probably the only missing ingredient here was they may not have been too high in this prayer being answered immediately in expectation. But I'm telling you, it doesn't take God long to turn things around. It doesn't take God long to do what you're praying about. So as you're making supplication, especially in this day and especially in this hour, Time as we know it is running out. 
I mean, it used to be in the 70s, we had this much time. But I'm telling you, what I'm sensing in my spirit, that time, as we understand it and recognize it, is running out. We've got just a little bit of sliver of time left. And I'll tell you what is happening. The kingdom of heaven is approaching very, very fast. And along with the kingdom of heaven approaching, the kingdom of darkness is also stepping up its program. But you know what? We're the light of the world. And we're not to be afraid of the dark. Where sin and darkness does abound, the grace of God will much more abound. I believe in this day and this hour, we're going to see things we've never seen before. We're going to see, glory to God, miracles, signs, and wonders, and we're going to see it before the return of the Lord. Do you believe it? I do too. Amen. Okay, so that's just one example of supplication. So let's ask ourselves then, for whom can this prayer, this kind of supplication be made? Well, look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. First, we can pray the prayer of supplication for ourselves concerning both our natural and spiritual needs. We can pray this prayer for ourselves. Look at over here in Philippians 4, 6. He said, be careful for nothing. One translation says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But if you're not going to worry, what are you going to do? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, do what? Let your requests be made known unto God. So look at this principle here. First of all, God says, I don't want you worrying about anything. Don't take one thought for your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, where you, wherewithal shall you be clothed. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to realize how much I care for you, how much I love you, and I want you to roll and give me all your cares. And then, once you've done that, go to prayer. Go to prayer. See, a lot of Christians haven't done that. They have what we would call a worried prayer. They're just fretting. They're so full of anxiety. And they're just really... Begging, oh God, oh God, oh God, do something, oh God, do something. And I just sense God probably saying, I've already done it. And I'm waiting on you to do something. I'm waiting on you to give me the burden. I'm waiting on you to give me the care. And then I'm waiting on you to pray according to my will. And I want you to pray with strong intention about your needs spiritually, about your needs naturally, and then mix Thanksgiving with it. Didn't Pastor Tom do a great job Sunday night? Talking about Psalm 50, 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifies me. Amen? And to him that orders his conversation aright... To them, he will show the salvation and the deliverance of God. So as you mix your praise and thanksgiving with your supplication, well, you can be assured, praise God, that it won't be long before manifestation time knocks on your door. Amen? So we can pray for ourselves. We can pray about our own specific needs. 
But secondly, we can pray the prayer of supplication for God's people. We can pray it for one another. And we should be praying for one another. Our text again said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with, with all uh, perseverance and supplication for all saints. Don't take lightly the leading of the Holy Spirit. You may be driving along or walking along. You may be on the job and a brother or a sister or a friend's face just flashes right before you. What do you suppose that is? I believe we need to learn to take the cues of the Holy Spirit. Well, I wonder what old Joe's doing. No, I believe we ought to pray for old Joe. You don't know what old Joe might be going through today. And God is just looking. He's just looking for someone to pray. He's looking for someone to offer up a prayer on behalf of brothers and sisters in Christ. So we can pray for one another. We can hold one another up. Amen. And then what else is this prayer supplication for? Thirdly, we are to pray this supplication for all men and for those who are in authority. And that would include unbelievers as well. Turn with me quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. We alluded to this early, earlier about our nation. But in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, he says this, I exhort that first of all, first of all, in other words, first things first. Supplications, that's what we're talking about tonight. Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, that could be presidents. And for all that are in authority, why should we pray this way? So that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now how many of you know when there's turmoil in the world, you just can't go preach in every nation? You just can't walk up and down the streets of Afghanistan and be preaching the gospel in certain places. Now, we went to Beirut, Lebanon this year. And uh, Beirut, Lebanon's a little bit different than Iraq and Iran. There's a lot of Christians in Beirut. So the word of God was able to have free course in that nation. But I'll guarantee you, it was because of the presence of the salt of the earth and the light of the world in that nation. I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that there are certain nations that are open because there are people in those nations that know how to pray. They know how to get a hold of God. Amen? Now there's other nations, I believe with all my heart, that are going to open up. You think about the revival that is taking place in China. You know, they call it Red China. That means Communist China. I'm telling you what, there are millions and millions and millions of Chinese believers in those underground churches. And as long as there is the presence of salt, you're the salt of the earth. As long as there is the presence of salt, that means corruption shall not take over a nation. I'm telling you, I believe the future is bright for our world. 
years ago, many, many years ago, back in the 80s, when Russia was still closed. You know the story about Brother Jim Caseman and Billy Brim and others. They would pray and they would believe God. And they had a call of God to bring in like, I think it was 3.2 million books into Russia. And that was before that you could just bring them in because it's open now. But those books needed to be smuggled in. And those books, by the grace of God, made it over. But they didn't make it over just by happenstance. They made it over by the prayer of the saints. And those books have gotten into Russian people and they have turned into believers. And my goodness, you should see the revival that is in Moscow tonight. You should know of the revival that is in St. Petersburg tonight. I'm telling you what, God's moving around the whole world. He's moving by His Spirit. But I believe that it all begins by the heartfelt cry of a people that will call unto God for their nation. And that's what we need to be doing for this nation and for the nations of this world. Because as long as there is peace, that means the gospel is able to go forth. And you know what? The gospel will be preached. I said the gospel will be preached. It'll be preached in every nation. And once it is preached in every nation, then the end is going to come. And I'm excited about it. I've been in full-time ministry for 34 years, but I have never sensed in my spirit an expectancy and an excitement like I have right now in my heart. I believe the rain has fallen. I believe the laborers are answering. I believe that people are finding their place and they're finding their station of service and they're doing the will of God. Amen. This is not a time, this is not a day to be down and all forlorn and all bummed out. God's given us the equipment. He's given us the tools so that we can have revival. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. For what can supplication be made for? And we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer tonight. We're not just going to teach it. We're going to demonstrate it. Amen? For what can supplication be made? I believe that one of the things supplication and prayer can be made for is for labors. Labors. Everyone say labors. Labors to be sent into God's harvest. You know, today I was... On Facebook, and, and you know, we just got back from Samoa, and we taught a week over there at Raymond Pacific, South Pacific, and, and this Saturday they're going to be graduating about 100 students or so. I tell you what, being in that place was such an awesome experience because of the hunger. But I looked at the, the lady that is the, the president of that school, and I know her testimony because I knew her husband. Her husband and her went over there 15 years ago and planted seed in the nation of Samoa. And for years and years and years, they would just continue to sow seed. And they would continue to pray over that seed. And to pray and obey. Everyone say pray. Pray. And obey. obey. You know, someone asked Dr. Cho, what's the secret to your success? Dr. Cho pastors the largest church in the world, over a million people. Dr. Cho said, I pray and obey. It's that simple. But I know the testimony of this young lady. About three years ago, her husband went on to be with the Lord. A young man. I knew him as a teenager. Brenda and I taught 
in their home in Minnesota, Bible studies for their parents. And I can remember Kelly, just a young man with such great, great leadership skills and such an excellent spirit about him and such a wonderful, wonderful man of God. You know, some things just don't make sense to your mind. You know, if you were to ask, you know, why did Kelly die? Why did he get Lou Gehrig's disease at the age of 40? I'll tell you what, I don't know, but I'm leaving that to the Lord. And I'm not going to center in on a soldier left. I'm going to center in on a soldier entered in to his reward. But I'm telling you, this lady over there, his wife, Patty, I am so amazed at her diligence. I am so amazed at her absolute character and her, her, her strong intention to continue the work that was started through her husband and her. You're talking like third world nation. You're not talking about having the comforts of In-N-Out Burger. You know, you're not talking about having the comforts of, of running water all the time. But being there and just seeing the diligence and the strong, strong men and women that are coming out of that school. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, this world is in good shape as long as there's men and women like that and men and women like you that will pray and that will say, yes, Lord, I'm one of your labors. I'm one of your people that will answer the call. And I firmly and strongly believe that the callings of God are calling. And one of the greatest calls next to koinonia and fellowship with Him is the call to pray. You may sense even during the night the Spirit of the Lord just hovering over you, wanting to nudge you and get you to pray about something. How many of you know when you wake up in the middle of the night, you know when it's pizza and you know when it's God? I mean, you know when it's heartburn and you know when it's the Holy Ghost, right? God's looking for intercessors. He's looking for people that will make supplication. He's looking for people that will pray fervently and diligently as a way of life. In Matthew chapter um, 9, verse 37 through 38, He said, Then saith to His disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous. You look at the San Francisco Bay Area, what a harvest. What a harvest. The nations are represented in the Bay Area. In 1982, when Brenda and I came to California, when she was a little girl, she had a vision of all of the faces of the world. And she had a vision, and God began to to show her that she would be ministering to people from different nations and from different places. And by the grace of God, we've been able to go to a lot of nations and a lot of countries. But in 1982, when we were here, we were doing a reconnaissance. We were just spying out the land. That's before we met you, Nance. And we drove over the Golden Gate Bridge. And the Lord just spoke to my wife and He said, This, remember what I showed you? Remember the faces you saw? This is your place. The people that I've shown you are here in the Bay Area. The nations are in the Bay Area. You look around in this church on a Sunday morning, you've got Filipinos, you've got Asians, you've got Latinos, you've got Hispanic, you've got white, you've got black, you've got everything and everywhere in between. And I'm telling you, this harvest is big, saints. 
But you and I cannot afford to be yawning and sleepy in this day and this hour. We cannot afford to be casual about church attendance. We cannot afford to be casual about the moving of the Spirit and about prayer meetings. All hands must be on deck in this day and this hour. I know I sound like a coach. I feel like I'm ready. Glory to God. I feel like I'm, I'm preaching to the folks at the halftime of the Super Bowl. Well, there's more at stake than the Super Bowl here. There's more at stake than the Oakland Raiders winning the NFL. There's more at stake than the Giants winning the World Series. There are souls at stake. And the Bible says, He said to His disciples, The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. So He said, Now pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into His harvest. The word translated pray in verse 38 involves the idea of an urgent and necessary request presented with fervency and desire. I know of people tonight that should be in some local church, but they're backslidden. Because they've allowed themselves to the luxury of the flesh to get out of fellowship with God and to get out of fellowship with the local church, there are people that belong in this church. People that know better. People that should be front and center. Are you listening to me? We need to pray for them. But we also need to pray for labors to come in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Because I believe that the harvest is so great that it's going to take many, many more labors than we have in this place. Amen?